Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Roel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you our listeners from Los Angeles to Long Island age successfully, making the second half of life even better than the first. As your parents get older, there may be a time when it's clear they would lead a safer, healthier, and more productive life by transitioning from their current home to some kind of assisted living community. But how do you handle the many issues surrounding such a move? It's complicated and emotional, lots of choices and a host of questions. In today's episode, Julie Wexler, who has spent more than 25 years in a variety of elder care settings, walks us through the process, step-by-step, to find the right community for your loved ones. Julie, the Director of Business Development for the Assisted Bristol Assisted Living, spells out the spectrum of housing options, describing different kinds of services, care, amenities, and lifestyle features that individual communities may offer. How do you assemble a list of potential places? And are there professionals and other resources to help you assess the best fit for your parents? Then there's the continuing COVID question, of course. What factors should we consider and what questions should we ask about the health and safety protocols when we visit prospective communities? Making the transition to assisted living can often be hard on the entire family, but being proactive and not waiting for a crisis, the move can offer an exceptionally positive experience, creating a new sense of independence, better health, and social engagement for our loved ones. Indeed, Julie is a frequently invited speaker on an array of topics related to aging, Alzheimer's disease and dementia care, caregiving for older adults, and understanding elder care resources. She believes that all seniors, even as they face physical and cognitive challenges of aging, deserve to live a full, active, supportive, and purposeful life. So now, let's meet Julie Wexler. Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ron. I am pleased to be here. I really appreciate the invitation. Sure, I'm sure. Now, as I mentioned, so you're at, at this point, you're currently um, the director of business development for the Bristol Assisted Living, but you've had a lot of uh, experience in a broad range of areas in, uh, in elder elder care, elder life. And so why don't you just give us a little bit of a background, a bit more about how you entered the field, how you progressed and, and where you are today. Okay, I'd be happy to do that. So like many people in this business, we were inspired by our own grandparents. Mm. I was very fortunate to have all four of my grandparents way into my 20s um, and just had very special times and to this day have great memories of spending time with them and being with them and wanting to hear stories uh, about their life. Um, I actually had a little adopted grandma when I was in graduate school that I used to visit And uh, when I finished college, my very, very first job was working um, in Brooklyn uh, at a senior center um, in in a fairly low-income area uh, of New York City and uh, was the case manager there and helped seniors access um, government and other services that they might have been entitled to and uh, moved on quickly to become the director of that senior center and then... um, as I, I worked a short time for the New York City Department for the Aging, overseeing mm. a lot of government and uh, city-sponsored um, adult programs, including Meals on Wheels and Congregate Meals and other kinds of um, government 
supported senior services. Um, we moved to the suburbs shortly after that, my husband and I, when we had our kids and that's when I started working for an adult day program. Mm. Um, this is going back 21 years ago. Wow. And so back then, you know, we were definitely having these similar conversations, but they were not as common as perhaps they are today with people living longer. Uh, we actually had a New York state Department of Health grant, I think it was $5,000. And then we would partner with other senior service providers to provide education out in the community, education about caregiving, about elder law. And we would partner with churches and and libraries. And, you know, we'd make a flyer and we'd put together a presentation and a panel of speakers and we would show up in a church basement and, and people came. The wow. People needed the information. There weren't yeah. too many organizations, you know, 20 years ago doing it, and we were doing it. And um, so things have certainly evolved over the last 20 years. Uh, so uh, about eight years ago, I started working for the Bristol Assisted Living, mm-hmm. which is a luxury senior living community um, mm-hmm. based here on Long Island. Uh, we have communities in New Jersey and Westchester, soon to be New York City. We're so excited about opening up our Bristol at York Avenue very soon. Um, and, um, we at the Bristol believe in ensuring residents, the experience of the, you know, the absolute finest in assisted living. That's mm-hmm. what we do. That's our mission. Um, right. and we do that and also support family caregivers, people with dementia, you know, by providing community education and other opportunities for people just to, you know, remain engaged, whether they live in our communities and, and also partnering with other nonprofit organizations to provide, you know, quality services and uh, educational programs. Right, right, great. Well, that's quite a journey, and still going <laughs> on, I, I should say. So, um, so listen, uh, yeah. So, so we're here locally in the New York area, but uh, obviously, assisted living is a, is a national phenomenon. But in general, um, so how does one approach assisted living? So, who is it good for? I think the people, you know, now they know the term. They are, most people, especially as they're elderly or the adult kids of elderly people, they know the term assisted living. But basically, you know, who is it good for? What kinds of, of people is it good for? That's such a great question. So I like to break this down into three categories of people, mm-hmm. right? So we have those folks who are still pretty independent. They might just be of advanced age, right? So think of your 92-year-old, 93-year-old, you know, just as an example. You know, we all know those folks that, oh, they're still driving. Uh, I mean, I, I've had residents even of advanced age who, who are still working. They're still pretty active. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But things are starting to get a little bit more difficult for them. So maybe difficulty managing the house or their spouse has passed away, or their friends have passed away. And so they choose to move to an assisted living community really for lifestyle reasons, right? Right. Because they want to be around other people. They want gourmet meals cooked for them three times a day. They don't want to have to worry about the burden of managing a house that might be aging itself, right? Leaking roof and shoveling snow and watering the lawn and the landscaper and all those things that, you know, just start to get a little bit more difficult when you're in your eighties or nineties. So they choose to move to the, to the Bristol or to an assisted living community where they can really enjoy themselves, have the benefits of safety, be around other people, have a little bit more structure. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are our independent folks. Right. And then we have people who 
choose to move to our community because of a, a physical frailty. Mm-hmm. They are a little unsteady. And so maybe getting up those stairs, you know, the stoop to the front of the house or maybe the doorways in their home aren't wide enough for the walker or they need a little bit of help getting in and out of the shower, uh, those kinds of things. So they need a little physical assistance. And our staff is there 24-7 to provide that assistance and support and that sense of security for them and peace of mind for the family to know that someone's always going to be there, that their meals are always going to be prepared for them, that they're going to take their medicine on time. So those are the folks that are a little bit physically frail, so choose to move to an assisted living so they can benefit from all those services. And then we have folks who have cognitive decline, who have memory loss. Um, We know that the population is aging. We know that when you're 65 years old, you have a one in 10 chance of having a dementia diagnosis. Right. By the time you're 85, it's one in two. Mm -hmm. You know, I do this demonstration sometimes when I'm doing this presentation and I say, everyone pick a partner, the person sitting next to you. Look at the person sitting next to you. Now, just imagine this. Who, who plans to live till 85? And everyone raises their hand. Everyone plans to live till 85. I'll say, and then I say, well, one of you is going to have dementia. One of you is going to have a dementia diagnosis by the time you're 85. It's one in two. It's just the statistics. And so people choose to move to an assisted living community to have structure, to have support, to have safety. Um, many assisted living communities, including the Bristol, have secured memory neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. people call it lockdown. We like to call it mm-hmm. a secured memory neighborhood. Right. Right. Um, but it's not just the locking part that is important because we know that one of the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease is, uh, is a, you know, the, the increased chance of somebody wandering away. Right. It's that everything that we do in a memory care neighborhood is designed to support people with memory loss. Mm-hmm. The way that we serve the meal, the way that we train our staff, the way that we provide assistance with activities of daily living, the kinds of activities that we have. It, it's a smaller neighborhood. It's more structure, more support, more supervision, specifically for people with memory loss. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that because mom has memory loss, she's automatically going to you know, be, you know, have to move into memory care. Um, you know, very often, you know, in those earlier stages, if mom's just a little bit forgetful, she actually does pretty well in regular assisted living, mm-hmm. being around her peers, taking her medicine on time, getting those meals prepared right. for you and eating better nutrition. All those things can lend for a safer um, and more quality uh, of life, even right. in those earlier stages. Right. right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that, uh, you know, um, as you mentioned, so there may be uh, there's certain uh, signs that one should look out for, you know, when when looking to maybe it's time to move, um, you know, that there, you know, there there are things like you know increased social isolation, and we've talked about. It. So there are certain frailties you may look for if, the, if your parents are not eating well, or you can say the medication errors and so forth. But I think one of the issues that that you've all highlighted is that people don't really look ahead enough. You know, there are some, you know, so there there. Are, so some of those things happen and we start noticing them, but then we do nothing about them until there's a crisis and then mm-hmm. boom, you know, they can't mm-hmm. stay home. They got to figure it out. So how should one start to think about it be- you know, before there's a crisis? What sorts of things should you be thinking about in terms of preparing for a potential move? Well, I think the first thing that we need to do is sort of change our mindset, mm-hmm. right? I think people hear assisted living and right away, their mind goes to the old, old, the old age home of yesteryear. Mm-hmm. I was actually my, – my husband was talking to a cousin of his just yesterday, 
And uh, this is a couple in their early 90s, pretty sophisticated couple. And my cousin said to my husband, my parents said they would rather go off a cliff than move to assisted living. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to change that way of thinking. And, and I understand it because communities like the Bristol and many of the other high quality senior living providers out there didn't exist two decades ago. The industry has changed so much in the last 20 years. Um, these are luxury environments. These are five-star hotels. These are cruises on land. Um, that idea of assisted living or senior living being that very institutional, you know, people in wheelchairs with the, you know, the knitted blanket over their legs, you know, that, that is not what assisted living is now. You right. walk into one of our Bristol communities, there are vibrant places. There's activities going on and, and not just bingo, but exercise and lectures and trips to museums and high quality entertainment. I mean, the, the, it's, it really recreates life and an opportunity for people. So we need to first and foremost change the way people think. Mm -hmm. And we do that by getting people into our community. So they actually okay. see what it is. So, right. um, but some of the things to look out for, um, okay. you know, and, and, you know, because yeah, the, I, I, the ideal situation is that, you know, you select your senior living community where you want to go so that, you know, do your kids a favor, do all the selecting, you know, before you actually need it. But that, that doesn't happen very often. Sometimes it does, but not, and that's not the norm. We Very often it's, it's the crisis that happens. It's, you know, dad who's passed and now mom with a little bit of memory loss can't stay in the house by herself anymore or, you know, the hospitalization because of the frequent falls or the mix up of the medications. It, it very often is that crisis that happens. But some of the things you might want to start looking out for with your aging parents or even for yourself mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. to start thinking that, hey, you know what, maybe being in this home that I purchased 50 years ago and raised my children in. Um, I'm sure this is a phenomenon in other places of the country besides Long Island, which is considered the first suburb. But, you know, the homes that were purchased, that, that were built and purchased back in the 50s, the 60s, and 70s, very often aren't conducive for people to be age safely in them. Right. That's right? right. We have yeah. narrow doorways, there's bathtubs, there's laundry in the basement, there's stoops up to the front door. And there's no sidewalks. It's not really a neighborhood, right? It's 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 could be a lonely existence. So that loneliness, right? We we know that that can really affect people's physical and cognitive functioning. Right. right. Have not having social contacts, not having structure, being around people. So I would say when people start to become increasingly isolated, or they might start self-isolating themselves too. Maybe it's a little bit more difficult for them now to get to that senior center. Maybe they're pull, they're withdrawing a little bit. They're not going right. to that that mahjong club anymore. They're not going to that senior center anymore. So they're becoming increasingly isolated. As I mentioned before, maybe the spouse has passed. Their friends have passed. Their their friends are aging too. So their friends might not look, be driving anymore. Right. Um, and so it becomes a lonelier and lonelier existence. So you know. I also just want to mention also, because we're going to make this, we have this list of things to look out for, but you know, right. there's no perfect answer, right. but what I think we need to do is start having conversations about it. Um, we always want to make sure we, we have general safety 
right? That right. that should be first first and foremost, right? The stairs, the doorways, the flooring, right. the throw rugs, the the bathrooms, kitchens and bathrooms are the place where people fall. So we just want to make sure that the house is generally safe. And if it's not, then we might want to start thinking about what a safer environment might be for mom or dad. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're no longer driving, right? Once again, Long Island was that first suburb. It's suburbs were built for cars, right? Not yeah. not for not for elderly people. Um, and so when you no longer can drive because of physical, cognitive, vision reasons, um, it really can limit in a lot of ways people's sense of independence and what they can do. So that's certainly another reason why. You know, they can't get to their doctor's appointments anymore. They can't get to the post office. They can't do their banking. So we need to have mom move someplace where all those things are all in one place for her. Right, right. Um, you know. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, you know, safety and social isolation. I think those are two key aspects of it. And I think, so those are things I think that, you know, if you're looking, you know, even before anything, you know, more um know dire creeps up about you know they're falling or or they're you know you, you don't need to wait for a fall to look around the house and say uh oh, this is not a good you know this is not a safe place for someone you know and you can make certain accommodations you can do what you can but even with all these accommodations i think that the second thing you point out is really critical which is they're socially isolated you know and this happened to our mom and, and you know People get attached to their houses and certainly understand the comfort of it, you know, the comfort of being in a, in a place that you know and are familiar with in your neighborhood. But I think we take for granted, as you, as you pointed out, how much the neighborhood is part of where you are. And when that starts disappearing or it becomes, you know, not conducive to, you know, someone who's older and really doesn't want to drive and needs to walk and there's no place to walk. Um, and there's no, the neighbors are no longer there. They're in North Carolina. So I think that that's, you're pointing out some, some ways in which, you know, having a move is really a positive thing to increase in the value of their, of their daily lives. So, um, so I think that these are, these are really valuable, you know, points that, that, that go beyond, you know, like, oh, they're just frail. They need to move somewhere. So, um, I think that, um, uh, so we're going to continue along this line, uh, and, uh, talk about some uh, some things that maybe we should look at uh, in addition. So even as we see, look at, at these these things happening and, and sort of preparing for them, what things should you look at too in terms of, you know, financially and legally uh, and in terms of looking at selling your home and decluttering? I think that's something that, that often you get involved with in terms of partnering with other kinds of professionals. So so folks, we're going to take a look at that when, when Julie comes back. Uh, we'll be back shortly after break, so don't go anywhere. We'll be Back with much more from Julie Wexler. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Brave Hearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input, too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. Want to play the ponies and win? 
At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Inglehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Rowell or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks, to 45 Forward, where we're talking today with Julie Wexler, Director of Business Development for the Bristol Assisted Living, who spent more than 25 years in a variety of elder care settings, including community-based senior services, government agencies, as well as the senior living industry. And before we continue our conversation with Julie, I wanted to just mention that you can find out more about her by going to my website, robotresources.com, uh, and clicking on the 45 Forward uh, tab. And you could also find out more about the Bristol, where she uh, is the uh, Director of Business Development, uh, by going to uh, thebristol.com. So, Julie, before the break, we were talking about, um, you know, besides looking for certain telltale signs of your parents' or loved ones' frailties as an indication of when you should think about um, transitioning to a, 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 an assisted living community, what are some of the things we should do to prepare in addition to that financially, legally, in terms of looking at the house for sale and decluttering and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I always recommend to older adults, and particularly if the, your life is in a place where you're in a transition, maybe thinking about making a move, is to visit an elder law attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, you really want to make sure that your legal life is in order, right? Uh, that your power of attorney, your healthcare proxy uh, is in place and that you have the right people designated to be able to make decisions for you in the event that you are no longer able to make those decisions. So this is not to take the power and control away from an older adult. This is actually to give your trusted loved one or advisor or another professional it could be, it could be anybody that you trust, to, for them to know what your wishes are and to be able to carry out what your wishes are in the event that you cannot. So certainly visiting an elder law attorney and making sure that you do that legal planning um, before, once again, you have that crisis right. uh, is very, very important. Um, you also do want to speak to your financial planner. We're, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, senior living um, and, you know, our beautiful communities like the Bristol, but these things cost money and you want to make sure that um, your financial life is in a place where you have that control over the decisions and the kinds of care that, that you can access. Um, So those are the two trusted advisors I suggest people go to their elder law attorney and certainly their financial planner. Um, You also want to speak to a trusted real estate agent. You want to know what the market conditions are. The vast majority of people who move to our communities, the way that they're able to afford to live there is through the sale of the family home. Right. 
right. a home that they purchased 40, 50, sometimes even 60 years ago um, that is really no longer serving their needs. It served its purpose. It helped you raise a family and you have all these memories. But the fact of the matter is it might not be the best place for the older adult to be living now. So you want to know what those market conditions are. Um, I know here locally, they're actually, it's, it's a good time to sell a house uh, for sure. Right. And uh, that's how you can then afford to live in, in a beautiful environment and have that sense of security and safety and peace of mind. Yeah. I think that's important for people to, because people talk about the cost and, and yeah, some of these places are, you know, somewhat costly, but what you just mentioned is something to recognize is that you're basically transferring the wealth of your single family home to the next part of your life. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, so, uh, you know, with all due respect to, um, adult kids, sometimes you, you know, you have to think about what's best for your parents. So it may be less of a legacy for you selling the house, but you have to think about what's best for your parents, yep. your loved ones. Hey, listen, you're the one who paid the mortgage for 30 years, right? right. So, um, you know, this is, it, nobody ever expected to live as long as they have. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the longer we live, it, 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 it does and our, and as our care needs increase, it costs money to get the care and services and the quality of life that we expect and, and have come to um, appreciate. So, um, you know, the and that's the other issue too, though, right? What do you do with all the stuff? You know, we do seminars about this all the time. I have colleagues who are senior move managers and organizers that – you know, this is a whole business, right? Seniors right. and moving, you know, um, because people are finding that the house is no longer suitable. Um, so now you're selling the family house, but, you know, you have closets that haven't been cleaned out in 20 or 30 years or, you know, just things. And, and a lot of the stuff, it's it's really kind of hard to get rid of it, right? The furniture, right. nobody wants it. And, you know, even the old dishes or the Lennox vases, like all these things that were so meaningful to us years and years ago. Right. And now it's just stuff and it's, it's hard to get rid of it. But there are people out there who can help you do it um, and know how to know what's donatable. They know what's sellable. They run your estate sale for you. They, they help you, you know, organize and, um, you know, will even help you on moving day. You know, we have senior move managers that we refer to and they organize, you know, everything. And even on that moving day, you know, they, the resident gets to our community and the senior move manager goes up and sets up the entire apartment. And by two, three o'clock in the afternoon, they go up and they've got this, you know, beautiful one bedroom apartment that's, you know, fully organized and the clothes are in the drawers and the knickknacks that are important to them are put away and the paintings are hung on the wall and the TV is all hooked up to the cable. And, uh, it makes it a lot easier, especially for an older adult who's having a really hard time with the transition. Um, a senior move manager can really help the older adult and the family, um, with the big stuff, like, right, right. you know, the downsizing stuff. And then also on the actual day of moving. Yeah. It seems so that, uh, that, uh, so one of the things you just think about is even if you're not, you know, you really can't think about a move being imminent, like, okay, let's do this. You really, even if you're not sure exactly what the next move is, you should be a couple of years ahead of yourself, right. Thinking about this. Cause you can't, well, right now we have the hot market in many parts of the country, so you may be able to sell quickly, but decluttering the house is going to take time. Making this transition is going to take time. You know, it may be some stuff you want to do financially with the state and legally. So am I correct? It seems to me that this is something you should really be thinking a couple of years ahead about. Like, what is your next chapter or the next chapter? Yeah, I mean, and, and, and when when does that two-year timer start, right? 
you know, you don't really know. So um, it's, you know, those could be difficult things. So that's why it's really important for families to have those conversations, you know, when people are still healthy, um, know where those legal documents are, check right. your legal documents every couple of years and make sure that they're up to date, you know, get those closets cleaned out, you know, every season, just kind of pick another closet and there'll be left that much less for your, you know, your family to have to, to pick through. Um, but you know, we, listen, we do have people that move in. Most people who are moving in are usually moving in, um, you know, after the, after a crisis. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you're in a situation where you can move into the community, I, I always felt like that, I always feel like that is the best way to do it because it, it also makes mom or dad feel like, oh, okay, they're, you know, we're not just like, you know, th there's an out, right? Because we tell people, you know, listen, why don't you move in, spend the winter, spend the winter at the Bristol, you know, last winter was really isolating. We had a lot of snow. Why don't you right. move in in December, spend December, January and February at the Bristol. Let's see how it goes mm -hmm. just for those three months. Well, that's a good idea. Yep. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have to tell you, Ron, the vast majority of the time, it doesn't even take three months for people to realize how, how much better their quality of life can be, not only for the for the older adult, but for the family also, oh. who's not worried, who's not having to worry about where the next meal is coming, who's not having to fill all of mom's prescriptions, who's not having to run mom to the doctor because the visiting doctor is right there. Um, it really is such a better quality of life for, for the whole family. Um, so if we can, we, we have our ways of kind of, you know, smoothing and easing the transition. I mean, mm -hmm. that's one way that we do it. Listen, let's just try it out. Let, let's see how it goes. Maybe if it's for you, maybe it's not, but you won't know until you try it. So it's like going on vacation, go, go on a cruise for a month, go right. on a cruise for three months and see how it works out. Right. Um, and, and listen, if, you, if you're in the financial situation where you can do that, that that's a really good way to kind of ease, um, ease that transition. I have had very few people who have been like, no, I, I'm going to go back home and struggle in my house again. <laughs> right, right, right. It doesn't, it doesn't usually happen. I can't promise you it's not going to happen, but yeah. it doesn't usually happen. Yeah. Well, I think one of the interesting things about, you know, our, our everyone living longer, starting with our parents and, um, and hopefully us is that I think that families do get to participate more as families in these issues. And I think it, one of the interesting things is it sort of provokes you like, huh, okay, well, I'm not that far from, you know, when you have people in their 50s and 60s, you know, working with their parents in their 80s, you know, it, it sort of, uh, you know, sparks of like uh, thoughts about, oh, uh, yeah, where, where's my healthcare proxy? Where's my mm -hmm. uh, legal planning? Where am I going to do? You know, who's going to take care of me? What do I need? So I think this has become an interesting, you know, multi-generational process. And even as we help our elderly parents, we're kind of preparing for ourselves. So I, I think in that sense, it's been a, a useful kind of change. So uh, just transition now to um, so so if we're looking for different places now uh, to to test out, um, why don't you just run through again, Joy, the kinds of options people have, just very quickly, just people can look at them these themselves, but just give us a quick outline of what are the options that people have for yeah. different kinds of communities. And and there are a lot more options today, Ron, than yep. there even were five, ten, not even to mention twenty years ago. And it, and I think it can be confusing for a lot of people. But there sort of is a continuum of of different senior living, and senior living is sort of that broad term that we use, right? Mm -hmm. So you know, you you have these. You have 55 and over communities. These might be gated. These might be specially designed um, communities, apartments. They might even be townhouses where 
Um, you might have a clubhouse and, you know, everyone is about the same age and you don't have to worry about managing a private home because the landscaping is taken care of for you and the snow removal is taken care of for you and there might be some organized activities and a little bit more of a sense of community. So that that might be an option for some people who maybe are just, you know, of a, getting a little bit older and don't want to have to manage the house anymore. We have independent senior living. Um, and uh, actually, the Bristol Assisted Living has a sister community called Encore Luxury Living. And that is an independent senior living community um, where it's apartment style living and you have some amenities, right? So you have concierge, you have two, you know a couple of meals a day, you have organized activities. So, you know, it's interesting, the folks who live in our independent senior living aren't necessarily different than the people who live at the Bristol. It's very often their functioning level that's different, um, but they choose to move to independent living because they like the idea of being around their peers and having mm -hmm. staff around to help them. And if, God forbid, something happens and they need somebody in the middle of the night, they just have to call that front desk and someone is going to be there to help them. So that's right. an independent senior living community. Then you have, of course, assisted living, um, like the Bristol, where you have uh, what we call a wellness office, where there are nurses and LPNs and home health aides to provide uh, assistance with activities of daily living, medication management, and general health oversight. But you also have that recreation department planning activities for you, and you have that culinary department who's cooking meals for you and you have, you know, the benefits of, of the structure and people around, right, right. right? Then we of course have, you know, some assisted living communities have memory care neighborhoods, or it could be a memory care community that is standalone. The mm -hmm. Bristol actually has one of those in Lake Success. Right. And then you have the next step would be a 24-hour skilled nursing facility. Um, sometimes people do short-term rehab if you have an illness and you're discharged from the hospital after like a hip fracture or pneumonia or something like that or a dehydration episode. You might go to rehab, you know, for a week. It could be up to 100 days, right, if you need a little bit of extra help. But you could also be in a nursing home long-term. Um, sometimes, unfortunately, what happens is where you end up is more, ha more has to do with your payment source. Right, because if you don't have the private pay assets to be able to pay for assisted living, sometimes your only option might be a nursing home. But even within nursing homes, they're not like they were. Like I, I had a great grandmother who lived in a nursing home when I was a little girl, and I, I, they never took me to visit her. It was everyone talked about how horrible this place was. I have to tell you, like I've been inside almost every single skilled nursing facility on Long Island, and they're they're really they're They've, they've upped their game, let's put it that way. So even even the nursing homes are, are not really what they used to be even a few decades ago. Um, and then they have communities that are called Continuing Care Retirement Communities, or a CCRC. Mm -hmm. And it's only think of it like as a campus where you have independent living, assisted living, a memory care, and and then a nursing home all on the same campus. There's a, usually a fairly large entrance fee, if you will, but it's almost like an insurance policy that you're purchasing because you're – your monthly rent is going to stay the same whether you're at independent living, assisted living, or you need nursing home. So it really prevents people from ever having to apply for Medicaid. It could be a good way for families to preserve assets. It's got its pros and its cons, different things for different people. Right, right, right. So suppose now we're, uh, we're at the point where we're going to make a choice about these facilities. So this, let's just walk through the process now of how do you do this. So, so sort of step-by-step, step, finding the right community. Um, you know, who, who are your sources? You know, how do you go about it? Who do you talk to? 
um, who are good resources for information. Um, you know, once you do that, you know, then how do you, how do you plan the steps of, of visiting these kinds of communities? Yeah. So it could be very, very overwhelming for families, mm-hmm. right? Because there are so many different choices out there, right. but really start with a phone call, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but where do you even get that list from, right? Is that what that, that's really what your yeah. question is. Where do you even start with making the list? Okay. So there's a lot of different, um, places that you can go to do that. Um, I have a lot of friends who are geriatric care managers, and these are folks who are usually either nurses or social workers who are really well-versed in understanding the needs of older adults and then can help to maybe match you up with the right senior living community. Because even, even amongst assisted living, they're different, right? Even amongst our Bristol communities, which we have 24, I think the number is now, um, they can be very different in terms of the way that they're licensed, in terms of their staffing patterns, in terms of the care services they could provide. So even though I'm using this general term assisted living, but every assisted living is very different too. The aesthetic is different. The price points are different and the, the, the demographic makeup of the community might be different. Right. So it could be, it could be very overwhelming. So a geriatric care manager could be a good place to start in terms of kind of getting, you know, you know, the, the, uh, a good list going for yourself. Um, social workers at rehabs or hospitals usually have direct communication with mm-hmm. assisted living communities and know which ones are managed well and, um, which ones can provide different kinds of support services. Mom needs insulin injections or dad has dementia. So they might be able to put you in, in the right place. Certainly elder law attorneys, um, because they probably have, or perhaps have other clients who are in, you know, communities in your general area. Um, you could always start with your local Department of Health. Um, mm-hmm, here in New mm-hmm. York, the New York State Department of Health has a list of all the licensed assisted living communities, um, but that list can be very overwhelming as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you also want to, you know, you might want to stick with, you know, your sort of general neighborhood too. Um, you know, mom might live in, you know, in one place, but maybe you live 50 miles away. Quite honestly, it might be easier to move mom closer to you, right? Things are not going to get easier. And so certainly to have mom or dad in your own neighborhood where you can go visit her on a Saturday afternoon or God forbid she's not feeling well, you can go easily, you know, go see her. Um, So, you know, that's another thing to think about, like what the location is. Is mom going to live near your brother? Is mom going to live, maybe she wants to stay in her own neighborhood because she likes her doctors and she likes her church and she doesn't want to move, right? So all those all those questions you have to think about. Um, word of mouth referrals from other families. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's, you know, we, we survive on our, our reputation and um, we're fortunate to say that the vast majority of people have positive experiences with our communities. And so we really uh, appreciate our families when they're out there, you know, you know, saying positive things about us. Maybe other resource organizations. Maybe you want to call the Alzheimer's Association. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to call other, you know, um, you know, support organizations that deal with older adults, your local senior center, your senior center director in your neighborhood might be a good resource for you. Um, It's a lot. There's, you know, a lot, there's a a lot of um, to think about. Um, Very often you get to hear conflicting information. So you just need to go and visit yourself. That's really what I, that, and I know we're going to talk about that and what the process is for actually going and, and, and actually visiting uh, a senior living community, because we always invite families 
to come in to visit. Right, That's right. the only way you're going to know if it feels right for you, for your family, um, is, is when you walk into that building. Right. Um, yeah. so that's always, um, you know, what we, what we encourage families to do. I, right. I want to just mention to just be careful with online reviews. We have all been in a situation where, you know, <laughs> you know, there's a restaurant near me. I have a friend. He goes to this restaurant so often and loves this restaurant so much. They have a dish named after him. We were like, we've got to go there. And you know what? For me, it just wasn't all what I thought it was going to be. And I was so disappointed that I wrote a negative review, right? Mm. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. I don't know. But, you know, not every place is perfect all the time. And I think, listen, when we're dealing with people's parents and their loved ones. Um, it could be very emotional. I've been there myself as a family caregiver and I know how emotional it could be. Um, remember that you're, when you're reading the review, you're only here on one side of the story. Um, you know, so it's just really, I, I would be very careful for, with online reviews and, and right. not necessarily let them sway you one way or another. You need to go visit and you need to talk to your, yourself to other professionals, to other people in the industry who know the reputation of the assisted living or the community that you're thinking about. I yeah. think it's a much better way to get uh, insight into how that facility community functions rather than, you know, yeah. a Google review or Yelp. Yeah. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that certainly you can, you can get um, generate lists from looking at the health department. There are other, you know, directories and uh, listings and stuff. But I think the way to do it is once you started summing that list, asking a, a range of professionals and friends and colleagues, I think they're absolutely right. You know, so whether it's going to your local hospital, your senior center, uh, an elder law attorney, your friends and family, and then start seeing if certain names start popping up again and again. You know, if, if there's some repetition, um, you know, uh, is, is, you know, okay, wait a minute. Now, but, and then, of course, looking at the, the names that are repeated, do they in fact fit? what you think your your parents or your loved ones need. I think that's a, a, a key issue. Um, so, you know, I think that that's, uh, you know, an excellent way to kind of start uh, getting a sense of what um, the, uh, the the options are for you. Um, so I think we're going to keep going here. Um, uh, but actually, uh, you know what, let's just take a quick break now. Um, but folks, don't go anywhere. Uh, we're going to continue now with how to visit facilities and what to ask. Uh, with Julie Wexer. Don't go away. We have one more important segment coming up. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you want to hear a show about football? How about football moms? What if we told you that was just a start? Tune in for Double Down with Garrett and Mack. Audrey Garrett and Jeracy Mack are moms to some well-known NFL players. Sure, they'll talk football and raising their kids to achieve greatness, but they'll also talk about community and world issues, motherhood, news, and lifestyle topics. Listen in every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. You are listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. 
That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking today with Julie Wexler, Director of Business Development at the Bristol Assisted Living, about how we work with our families and our parents to uh, transition them to an assisted living community. Um, so before the break, we were talking about um, basically how do you find lists of places that are potential options? How do you talk to people, find references for them? So now let's talk in our last segment here, Julie, about, okay, so now we're getting close to making choices. What do we do in terms of visiting facilities? What do we ask? What do we look for? Uh, and of course, you know, how do we deal with the continuous kind of, you know, back and forth and not knowing where COVID is? And, mm-hmm. and, uh, so, so the very first step is that very first phone call, right? Okay. And we know that when you call the Bristol for the first time, it's not just because you woke up in the morning and you're like, oh, I think I'm going to look for assisted living for my dad today. It's usually because something's happened, right? right. Dad's in the right. hospital. Maybe you started to notice dad's memory loss. It's usually not an easy time in a family's life, right? So we are going to ask you a lot of questions. We right. really want to get to know you. We want to get to know your family. We want to get to know your loved one and make sure that this is going to be a good fit for everyone, that you're going to make the right decision. And so we do, we ask a lot of questions about how dad is spending his typical day, what's important to you, what are the kinds of things you're going to be looking for, what are dad's interests, what are dad's care needs, those kinds of things. Because it is not a one-size-fits-all proposition. Um, and we want to make sure that our licensing and everything else is going to be able to, um, you know, be able to meet your needs and your right. and your family's needs as well. So I usually suggest to families to, after this conversation, to, you know, of course, to go visit. We we will always ask and invite families to come in for a visit. And even now, you know, we, we can do a virtual visit if you're out of town mm-hmm. and you can't actually physically come into the space. It's not the same, but you could still get an eye, somewhat of an idea of what our communities look like. Right. So the big question is, do we bring mom on the visit? So my suggestion to families is typically for the first visit, no. And the reason for that is visiting communities could be very overwhelming and stressful, right? Okay. Which one has the pool? Which one had the bigger apartments? You're talking about finances. You, you know, you want to be candid with the, you know, the sales director there as well. And it might be a little hard to do that if mom's sitting right there. And like I said, it could be just be overwhelming and not because you're trying to be sneaky or because you're trying to, you know, put mom away, but you're just really trying to narrow things down so that you can make a good choice so that when it comes time to actually making that final decision, you want to give mom, these are the two best places in our neighborhood. Let's go visit these two together. Um, Definitely spend time there, meet the residents. They, you know, you should be able to talk to the staff. You should be able to talk to the residents. You should be able to try out the food, go to an activity. Um, You want to spend as much time there as you possibly can to make sure that it's going to be a good fit. Um, And listen, and maybe mom's not a social person. Like, you know, I, you know, I, we always, we, we, we love all the activities at our communities. You know, I mentioned them before the whole list of all the stuff that we do during the day. And then I hear from the, the daughter and she'll say to me, oh, mom's not social. She's not going to do any of those things. And then I say to her, I know that your mom is going to come to three, three activities every single day. And that's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Even if mom has that level of structure in her day. She can spend as much time in her apartment as she wants to. And that's why we encourage you to decorate it, to bring furniture from home, to bring those pictures of the family, to to make it feel like as much for home and, and, and her, her nest, if you will, as possible. If she wants to come to the activities, great. If she doesn't, that's fine too. 
We encourage her to do that, to do that, but she might only come down for the meals. And if that's, if that is the three times that we're seeing her every day, what's the alternative if she's home? She's eating those meals by herself if she's even eating at all, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So at least she has that that level of social interaction, which can be so so important. So you mentioned you mentioned before about COVID. So you know, put put the cards on the table, right? Senior living, we we know how much it affected, uh, mm-hmm. how how much COVID affected our industry. Um, right. It's no secret, and it really affected every aspect, every of our operations, the way that we prepare and serve meals. Um, you know, at the Bristol, we pride ourselves in our dining experience. That's part of, you know, when you go on a cruise, that's part of the experience, right? Is <laughs> is the beautiful dining room and the glass of wine and the beautiful menu, and and so it it really it affected that. It affected how we clean our buildings. It affected how we provide personal care. Um, you know, you can't give somebody a shower six feet apart from them, you know, so it's, it, you know, the kinds of care that we're providing for them is, you know, very intimate. Um, we are certainly in a different place now compared to where we were mm-hmm. a year mm-hmm. or a year and a half ago. Um, and that is very much thanks to the vaccine. Um, and also thanks to our incredibly dedicated staff um, and our um, amazing leadership. Um, you know, here in New York, those directives were coming down from the governor's office and the state fast and furious and sometimes mm-hmm. conflicting mm-hmm. information in, in the same day that we would have to decipher. Um, and so it, it, it was uh, very, very difficult times, but we are really uh, feeling like we're moving in the right direction. Um, People are moving in nicely in the last few months. I think people are starting to realize that the social isolation really took its toll on a lot of people. Um, So we've had many move-ins in the last few months, which we're so excited about having um, new residents and and seeing them live a great life and be healthy and more active. are things 100% back to normal? No, they're not 100% back to normal. I don't know if there ever will be a 100% back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but in but we are doing everything we can. We we know the task that we've been that we volunteered for, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is mm-hmm. you know to care for some of the most vulnerable people in our, in our society. And that is the elderly. And we take that very seriously. Um, and so, uh, everything that we do is to keep our residents safe, um, is to keep our staff safe as well. Um, and so we are always, you know, abiding by the state guidelines, no matter how quickly they and furiously they come down to us. (laughs) Right. Um, but we, uh, but we're adjusting and we're moving into a good place. And we're, we're, we're really delighted that a lot of people are entrusting us to take care of their aging parents and are choosing to move to communities and see the benefits of, of living in, in a community like the Bristol. So it's exciting times. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I think that this is the sort of, uh, well, the opportunity people were hoping to, to see open again, you know, I think that, uh, I think we sort of underestimated the the degree of uh, isolation <laughs> and and the assumption about you know um, I think I think it it came unfortunately through a lot of the um, the the, ep- the episodes in nursing homes when I think we were a little you know kind of unprepared for that um, I think you know and there's been a lot of you know um, you know legislative you know initiatives and people looking more carefully at that and I think but I I think quite frankly. It was something that the general population was not paying attention to. You know, we were not paying attention to these seniors. I think assisted living 
people were much more active in terms of looking at these issues. And um, but I think it's uh, so I think that's that, that's an important step going forward that we're just watching much more carefully and being aware of what you know protocols we need. And uh, you know we'll see what happens with uh, this new Delta and Gamma. I don't know what the next you know letter is uh, for for this um, COVID variants, but uh, um, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, but I think that um, this has been a very helpful, um, you know, outline for how people can, um, uh, you know, look at these issues. I guess the one thing that I, I was thinking about as you were describing the different kinds of um, approaches to these uh, communities, I suppose that, you know, in terms of visiting it, if, uh, if, the, the, uh, if the initiative comes from as a sort of family thing, uh, maybe a little different if it just comes from your parents, say, you know, that, that listen, listen, we want to move, then maybe they would go first along with you at the beginning. But in general, I think you're right. Probably the adult kids should take a quick look beforehand. Yeah. And I also just want to mention also that, you know, the once there's a dementia diagnosis, mm-hmm. it, it really is a little bit of a different conversation, right? Because right. Then, then, then the family caregiver is making this decision 100%. Right. Right. for their their loved one and there's a lot of guilt involved in that um you know you're spending mom's money you're making this major life decision for her and uh you know we promised dad we would never put her away well you know that was that was before dad knew that communities like the Bristol existed right, right. and we also right. and you have to you know we we promised dad we would to always take care of mom well well maybe moving mom into an environment that's designed specifically for her Right. Is, is taking care of her. It, right. It's okay to do that. Right. Um, maybe home isn't that safe place anymore. So, right. you know, th- this is a whole other whole right. other conversation, right? Right. right. Um, so. Well, I think we're going to have to leave it there <laughs> for the next conversation when we have you. So, but I want to thank you, Julie, for a terrific conversation. I know there's much more to talk about, and we probably will have even more to talk about uh, in another episode as we bring you back. Um, if people have questions for you, uh, the best way to reach you is. Uh, uh, Jay Wexler at thebristol.com. Is that yep, right? That's okay. Jay Wexler at thebristol, B-R-I-S-T-A-L.com. Great. Okay. Once again, uh, tell your friends if they missed our conversation with Julie today, they can still listen to it as a podcast on voiceamerica.com. Uh, just search for my show, 45 Forward. Um, uh, you can also find it in places like Apple or Google Podcasts. Uh, be sure to join me next Monday, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, when I'll be talking with Deanna O'Rear Cameron, a dynamic business and personal development consultant from Las Vegas, will talk to us about the mindset of seniors, both our mindset and their mindset. So be sure to join me next Monday, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern time. Until then, keep moving forward, 45 forward. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.